Welcome into one of these years, our Detroit Lions podcast, our pre-draft special here, I guess, if you want to call it that. I'm Chris Burke, joined by Nick Baumgartner. Uh, I'll mention quickly before I say hi to Nick here, we're also on the schedule for uh, a live room again next Tuesday. Hey-o. And uh, hopefully you got a chance to join us for the last one that's up, up on the app. You can hop in. It's like a call-in radio show or a Twitter space, basically. You know, you hop on and chat with us a bit, I think. Is our plan still to let the let the fans have uh, the run, run of the draft room here? I don't know if we have time. Like, I bit off more than I could chew on that one. Maybe we can do something like that. Maybe we can do it. We'll figure it out <laughs> mid-show. I think we can do, do something some like that. variation probably, of the mock, yeah, yeah. Probably can't be like a full official planned one, though. But maybe we can figure it out, yeah. There's a lot of pressure on the fans who call in <laughs> if we're going to ma- let yeah, them make true. picks. Yeah. Uh, which I kind of like. Maybe we, can, have them sh- maybe we can do the thing where they share us, share with us. You know what I mean? Like we've done the mock mailbag in um, written form. Um, yeah. Maybe maybe you guys can um, think about it over the next couple of days. Come up with there one, and uh, yeah, maybe we'll do that for. We'll a couple figure minutes. it out. We'll yeah. figure it out by Tuesday. But That'd Tuesday, cool. yeah. uh, keep your eyes out, peeled for that. I think it'll be Tuesday around the same time as the last one, which was I think we went at one p.m. Eastern time mm-hmm. last time. I think we're on the clock for uh, noon Eastern time on Tuesday, so two days before the draft, and then. Obviously, Thursday, Friday, Saturday is when we get into this. So, um, Brad Holmes with his uh, last press conference before the draft on uh, what day of the week is it? On Wednesday, he <laughs> talked on Wednesday. We had some players in. Uh, they're they're in for voluntary workouts. Looks like they got pretty good turnout. Um, I know people have been kind of freaking out a little bit about a couple of the guys that haven't shown up yet, but um, looks like they have pretty good turnout there. And uh, anything jump out? I don't. I know you're doing a billion other things, so I don't know if you sat and watched no. the whole, well, I mean, whole thing. I listened, Did anything I, jump yeah. out for you? I saw the you know the gist of it. I not really. I mean, I think that for the most part, it's a similar situation as it every year at this time. You know, there there's just not a lot. You have to be careful, right? I think he seems more comfortable. I mean, I think that's the first thing I'd say. Um, Brad Holmes, in general. Uh, and the whole operation in general, I think just every time we see them, you know, and it, maybe that's because we've been out there in person now a few times. I know you have a couple times. I was out there uh, earlier this spring. Um, does seem more comfortable, seems more confident. Uh, but, you know, I think for the most part, it's all been kind of familiar and the same. And they're not really showing their hand too much, which I don't think should be much of a surprise. But the comfort level, I think it's hard to miss, right? Like you would agree, I think, with that, right? I think Brett Holmes seems to be settling in pretty well here, at least in terms of feeling like he's, you know, feeling okay. Yeah, I mean, he's pretty steady whenever we see him, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's pretty much the same thing. Yep. Um, it's getting, he's he got a good rhythm now, yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah, he doesn't reveal a whole lot. I mean, I, I think he's honest about what he can be honest about. Yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's not going to give us a whole lot. I don't think we go in expecting him to give us a whole lot. Uh you know, I'll also tease that after the press conference, uh, I was able to set, sit down with him for a little bit and talk to him a little more in depth about their draft setup, their draft process. So you can look for that story uh, next week uh, ahead of the draft. I think it'll run Tuesday, so the same time as our live room. I'm also going to be on the Fox uh, Fox Detroit Lions uh, draft special, uh, Fox 2 with Dan Miller and I think TJ Lang on draft night, 1030 to 11, so make sure you check that out. So. Uh, I'll stop plugging my own stuff now. Are you going to get pancaked out there by TJ? You better be, uh, get, your, get your leverage, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I wonder if he's going to bring... Uh, when I played... I played uh, 
like the rec hockey league and he was on oh, our yeah. team one, one year and he always brought the <laughs> like cases of beer for the right. team so i wonder if he's there you uh, go probably fine so. for that uh <laughs> um anyway uh yeah i mean i think brad holmes was i think that's what you want though right like you yeah. want to hear that they he said you know we don't need to just set you know our top two we want to set our top five our top ten in case some things come up he said they're we're just getting new information even today and uh, we feel really good. It's similar. He compared it to the Panay Sewell situation last year. Like they were pretty comfortable sitting at seven that they had seven guys, right? Yeah. Or whatever the number was. Like they yeah. knew they were going to get one of their guys there. And I think they're, even if they're considering a trade down, he said there hasn't been a lot of conversation yet, but even if they trade down, they're pretty comfortable with whoever it's going to be. So that's good. You don't want to hear that they're scrambling six days before the draft. Exactly. I mean, like, it's just you're you're not over committing to anything at this point. And I think in the room, too, like, it's important to note that, you know, he just kind of said it. You know, I think that the process is the process that you go through and that runs up until Thursday. And I think that includes, you know, all things that, you know, what do we want to do if this app, you know, if this, if that, you know, should we call this guy? Should we not call that? You know, all these things I think are still probably still being formulated. I, I can't imagine any books have been closed or whatever. It's, it's a, you know, as a, someone like Holmes, who's a scout, you know, number one, I mean, you're never done. I, I think that that's sort of, you know, he sort of said that a couple times, uh, or at least hinted at it b- before in that the, the, the evaluation process of a guy, uh, in any situation, just as an ongoing thing. And I think at some point, you know, in this draft thing, and it's always interesting, right, and fascinating when you talk to GMs or scouts or coaches or anybody that's involved in this, is like, when do you have to, like, sh- shut the book and be like, that's it! Like, that's it! That is the board! That's it! We have it, it's right. solidified, like, we are not moving it, we're not changing it. Because I gotta tell you, man, like, especially in a draft like this, this is hard. This is not easy. This, especially in the spot they're at, like confident you're going to get a good player. Yes, like I think everybody should feel that right now. They they should come out of this with a guy who's going to help them and be a good player and all these things. But if you want to talk about those three edges, and I know we're going to in a second here, like you are really splitting hairs with a lot of this. So when does it stop? Like how long does that go on? And that's always something that I think continues, and it will probably continue through this weekend and certainly into early next week too. Yeah, I mean, and I asked him too, uh, you know, I said just how much more difficult is it or how much more challenging is it to prepare when you know, like, you don't have to just have your board at two. You've got to have, you got 32 on the same night. <laughs> like, you've got to be ready to go at 32. And so, um, you know, and he said, that, you know, that they've been preparing for that, obviously, and they feel good about that too. But that's that's a challenge that, you know, you don't get. Uh, a lot in the first round. I mean, several teams have it this year where they're picking twice, but that's not something that comes up a lot where you know you have to be on the board again three hours after you make your first pick. So you're not, you know, last year they picked at seven and then you had like 24 hours till you had to pick again. And now you've got to sort of speed up the process and make sure you're good there because that's that's obviously a pretty vital moment too at what they do, whether they pick there or trade up or trade down or whatever. Like That's pretty important too. So, um yeah, I mean, I think that they are more settled in for sure. Last year was such a scramble for them. And I think that, you know, this year they've got everyone sort of on the same page. They know what the expectations are. I think Holmes yeah. is more comfortable with the even the scouting staff and everything. Yep. Probably, I'm sure there's better communication. His so, voice, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think that this should look more like 
I mean, he should feel like this is more his operation. Last year, I think they were just trying to get through it. And this year, uh, they've yeah. got some some semblance of their plan in place. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. It's obviously a big decision awaiting them at number two. Yeah, I mean, it's just the whole the whole draft, and we've talked about this a lot, you know, for the whole year. And I, before we get into the nitty gritty here, I know we're going to go down the list a little bit and just talk about some of the stuff at each spot. But like, obviously, this is a huge. This is it. Like, this is you know, you said it, Chris, just a second ago. Like last year was about laying the you know, not even laying the foundation. Last year was about like clearing up the brush. And, uh, you know, uh, raking the leaves and the dirt and all the crap that was on the ground and, like, clearing it. And maybe if you could get a couple foundational things to jam in the ground, that would have been great. And they did. And that was great. But this, this is one where, you know, we talk a lot about margins here because we get into the nuance of things. Like, last year I think they had wiggle room. This year I don't think they have wiggle room. Like, you have got to hit it at every spot all the way through and get, like, as much value as you can, no matter what you do. If you want to trade, that's cool. But everywhere you go and every spot that your name comes up or whatever on the, you know, in this weekend, it's you've got to nail it because they can't take steps back now. I think that's the thing we've talked about so much. So this really ramps up and turns the clock a little bit now, maybe. I don't know what the phrase would be, but this is... Do you feel this? I mean, do you agree with me at this point? Like, this is this is a huge, huge spot here. And, and the fact that he's comfortable, I think, is a big deal, but it's still a huge spot. Well, yeah, I mean, I think having the two picks for sure, but anytime you're picking number two, yeah. like you can't be picking number two again next no, year, right? No. Unless you're trading up, unless that, you know, we talked about that scenario, you go up and get a quarterback. That's different. You can't be, this cannot be a four and 13 season. And so I think that this needs to be, and that, you know, that in a lot of ways, that goes back to the discussions we've had about Malik Willis and the quarterbacks. Like, can you afford at this point in the process to take a guy at two? Who you're saying, all right, well, he's probably not going to play till 2024. I don't, I mean, I don't know. (laughs) Maybe they can, but it seems like that's tough to sort of wrap your mind around. And yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think this has to be with where their picks are, you know, round six, round seven, whatever. You take a guy, they don't have round seven. You take a guy and hope he works out round five, round six. Those first five picks, six picks, you know, early on. Huge. You've got to hit. I mean, you've got to hit, and it's got to be guys that can play this year. I mean, I think you look back at last year, and it was a really good class, but I don't know, like, obviously St. Brown was a huge find for them Mm -hmm. in the rounds, and you hope some of these guys are better, but, like, they didn't get what they were hoping for out of Derek Barnes or Levi Owens Arike last year, and you saw the effects of that. Like, it really held them back because there wasn't another – Yeah. There wasn't anyone to step in. Like, they didn't have anyone else to help. You had to have those guys – produce i think they're in better shape this year and i think that's part of the comfort level for them they just feel like you know you can look at this roster and say all right well they still need like 20 guys to be good but yeah it's easier to pick out this it's easier to pick out the spots where they need to get impact players because i think they have some of those at spots now that that can at least get you through games and that last year we really had no idea what it was going to look like come week one no no, no, not at all. And I think that, that you just said it with the wiggle room. You know, last year, Barnes, Anzarike, like those are guys that you obviously you're taking them and you're hoping they come in there and make plays and are, are a guy for you right away. But you're also like not panicking and freaking out when they're maybe it's not clicking because you've got some time. Like you've still got some time. 
but that window is shrinking every single day, and it's like, you know what I mean? Like, and it's shrinking faster every day, it feels like. And I think that's just natural. So obviously, this is a huge week <laughs> for the Detroit Lions and everything else. So let's go through the whole thing here a little bit, Chris. Let's go through the board. Um, we have a big board coming out. When is it published? Do we know when it's uh, running? Um, I think Monday. I Monday. Believe. Monday. <laughs> it's hard to keep track of everything, so but we, I think Monday. Yeah, so we did a top 40 uh, for the Lions, a Lions-specific top 40 that'll come out Monday, um, which is really hard to do, <laughs> obviously, like, which is really hard to do, and uh, you try to do it as close to need and what you think they would do uh, in all of this as possible. So without giving all of it away, I think we're, we're going to try to go down the picks here a little bit. And talk about um, and talk about some of the spots. So we'll just start maybe at two, uh, and just that top area of the board, Chris, and then just the general your general thoughts on where the Lions are at at two right now, um, what decisions they're mulling, and maybe where you feel this is going to yeah. go. Well, the thing that I keep coming back to, and I, I was I did um, I did a video podcast thing with. Uh, with um, a couple other spots and uh, have so people who have listened to some of my other stuff will have heard these stories <laughs> right. or if you read the if you read the uh, story off of Holmes it's going to sound similar you know off the Holmes presser on Wednesday it's going to sound similar to that um, but yeah so I did an, an interview with Josh Norris who's over uh, at the underdog fantasy right now I've known him for a long time he was at Roto World um, and I told him what I'm going to say now is that I think they really like Kayvon Thibodeau, the player. They, I don't think there's any question. Campbell no talked question about how about he watched him, and it just jumps off the screen. He's special. He's got all these traits you're looking for. He can do so many things with him. Uh, Holmes has been obviously really interested in him this whole process since at least for dating years. back to the start of the college football year, but probably since yeah. he was with the Rams, Multiple frankly. Years. Yep. Um, so we know they like the player. And it's the rest of it that you're trying to solve for now, right? Like, is does he mesh with Dan Campbell really is the question. And if not, I think that's when you get into the conversation about, well, we feel comfortable with these other guys. And everyone's sort of assuming that's Hutchinson and Walker. But I think they've hinted enough at the possibility that they've at least considered, like, Kyle Hamilton and maybe Ekwanu and, like, some of these other names that we've talked about that I think that if they stay at two, I think the safest bet is it's going to be one of those edge guys. If they move back to five or whatever, like, I don't, I don't know. They could go a thousand different ways there. That's sort of the read I get on it. I don't know. I, what do you, I guess I'll pitch to you the same questions that I keep getting asked. Like if Hutchinson goes one, is it definitely Thibodeau at two? And if Hutchinson doesn't go one, is it definitely Hutchinson at two? So if it if let's start with the first one. If Hutchinson goes one, and and it's you know then it's just at two. I would think at that point it would be you're taking Thibodeau or you're trying to trade it. Like I don't know. Like I think you're definitely taking calls and you're and you're maybe seeing if anybody. But I would think so. I would think they they like him enough for what he can do as a as a prospect. Um, I think that's all real and been real for a long time. Like you said it, like all the things that pop about him and the stuff he could give you right now, the pass rush is the, he has, he's the best pass rusher in the class. I think we all, we've all sort of agreed on that and understand that he has the best sort of ceiling as a pass rusher in this class. 
Um, you know, his move set is more advanced. Uh, everything about what he does with pass rushes, like seven steps ahead of where Walker's at. And frankly, it's far ahead of where Hutchinson may ever get in terms of a pass rusher. Mm. However, <laughs> there are questions with the run game and all these other things that we've talked about, blah, blah, blah. And also, is he going to fit in the locker room? Is he going to be enough of a, you know, do you have enough around him that can make it so it works out? You know, those are questions that you're going to have to mull over. But I would think at the end it would still be him. If you're going to stick it to and you can't trade it, then I would think it would be Thibodeau over over Walker. But I like you said, I don't know that. I don't know that to be a, a total fact. And I don't know that they wouldn't take, you know, Aquanu. And I don't know that they wouldn't try to get out of that and go down and take someone like Kyle Hamilton. Because I think they've been open and they should be open to all things in this draft. And it was sort of an assumption at the very beginning that they would just take an edge because it was like a heavy, heavy need. And it's it's the fact that the best players in the draft are th- those guys. It's the three edge guys that we're talking about, I think, for the most part. So that plays as much into it as anything. But I think the thing that you hit on the most, that they don't need to do anything. They don't have to do anything. And they haven't approached this that they have to do anything I think is the most important thing to remember here. And it was the most important thing to remember last year, too, if you remember back to where we were at right around this time going into last year's draft. Who else? Uh, Trayvon Walker is the other one there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, every we've been talking about forever just because, um, I mean, we know he'd be good against the run early. Uh, and the upside athletically, physically is ridiculous. Like we saw him test, and I don't know that, the way he tests to me doesn't always show up in right. the tape, but right. it's there. It's there that you could say, all right, well, this is what he could be with some development. So I understand that. Uh, and certainly if it's not Thibodeau, if they're not comfortable with Thibodeau for whatever reason, Trayvon Walker is probably the favorite there, assuming Hutchinson goes one. But there's also been some random chatter recently. I think Daniel Jeremiah just said it on his call this week about cornerback, about Sauce Gardner or Stingley. Stingley was the name I think Daniel Jeremiah threw out. I've heard, I think we've heard that there are fans of Sauce Gardner in that yes. building. Your take on what Lions fans would do if they pick a cornerback. <laughs> <laughs> if they took Stingley, I think there'd be a oh, real man. problem. If they took Sauce, I think people would be a little, I think they'd be a little more, they'd be faster to come around on it. But they'd still be pretty pissed. I don't think they'd be happy. It'd be a hard sell. Uh, Hamilton would be a hard sell. Um, but again, like, those are good players. Like, Gardner's a good player. Hamilton's a good player. I think both of those guys are top five uh, prospects in this draft. Stingley, I don't know if I would take him at two. But, I mean, he's a top ten player. I mean, he's a terrific prospect in this draft. Um, and I think he's going to be a good corner for a long time. I think Sauce is going to be a good corner for a long time. And I think... You know, all the guys that we've talked about here, and that's the thing you said at the very beginning of the show, and that's the thing I think that they always go, that the Lions, it seems like, do a pretty good job of anchoring themselves it at it, with draft talk. Is like, at the end of the day, you're getting a good player, so get the best one. Don't worry about any of the hair splitting or whatever else, just make sure you stack it the best you can, and remember that there doesn't need to be panic, there doesn't need to be any sort of like, well, God, like what, you know... Nothing, you know, anything like that. So I think that's the thing to sort of remember when you go into this situation is that, you know, even if they took Aquanu and it was a hard sell, okay, fine, but he's an awesome prospect and you're going to see that he's going to be a player 
pretty quickly here. The corner would be a hard sell, though. I think that's the one that people are panicking about. You know, they've kind of moved on from you know, understanding that Willis probably isn't going to happen there at two. Um, so the panic about the corner seems to be the thing that's popping up the most. I don't think that would go over well. Uh, would you agree with that? <laughs> With that in the in the end there, I if they move back a little bit, maybe I think I think I'd have to move back a lot bit, bit, but you know, (laughs) to take a corner, I can't. If they move back to five, yeah, if they move back to four and took Gardner, what would you do that? Or what would you think? Like, what if they did that? Which is possible. I mean, what if the Jets? Uh, The Jets are like, hey, we need Kayvon. Let's say that, and they're like, we're trading up to the Lions to get Kayvon. We are not messing around. And the Lions trade down to four, and they take Gardner. <laughs> like, what would the, what would people say then? Because, like, I don't, I don't think people would be happy. I but wouldn't I, rule I, it I, out. I think that I, I I wouldn't rule it out either. And I think some extent, like this is yeah, sort of the general conversation about how they approach the roster at all. Like the fact that Jeff Okuda was in the number three pick and has been banged up and tore his Achilles. Like that's not their fault. No, they didn't no, take him no, number three. And no. so if they're looking at the roster and saying, "All right, well, we don't have a number one cornerback. We like Oruwariye." We hope Okuda's okay. We hope uh, Melifanwu develops and Jerry Jacobs comes back healthy. Like, we did all right piecing this together last year, but we don't have a number one cornerback. And to win in this league, we need a number one cornerback. If they look at the roster and say that, well, then you got to get a number one cornerback somewhere, and that's probably going to have to come through the draft. And so I think that that's why you kind of leave it on the table. And as you said, like, those are... You could see both of those guys being really good corners in this league. And Sauce Gardner, to me especially, like the way he plays, I mean, he plays like Aaron Glenn played, frankly. Well, like I mean, in I, your face I think all the if time you, and I, like, I don't want to speak for him, right? Like, none of us would ever want to do that. But, like, I mean, I feel like if you let Aaron Glenn make the draft pick, it would be Ahmad Gardner. Because, <laughs> I mean, like, he's the, he's the six foot two version of him. Like, I mean, it's the same thing, they play the same way. Like, and so I just, that's the type of guy that when you hear Aaron Glenn talk about defense and coverage and what he wants from a football player at any position and you watch Gardner play football, like him and Hutchinson are the ones that pop like that, you know, like they, Gardner is a lot like Aiden in some ways, I think, you know, in the way he plays the game. And I think that those guys are similar personality, fit, style, whatever that would really click in Detroit. And I think actually... Kayvon, when he grows up, when he grows up, which everyone grows up at different paces, right? I think Kayvon, as he matures, would fit in very well, too. I actually think he would be fine. I do. But, you know, I don't know how much of that gets made and how much of it doesn't. I think it's a fair question. But I also would caution people against just, like, immediately, if they don't take Kayvon Thibodeau, immediately being like, well, Campbell hated his guts. He hated him. Right, so like, right, right. you know, like what the hell? And then draw right. that line and immediately start that whole conversation for the next five years or whatever. Like, I don't want to hear that either because that would also be ridiculous. So either way it, it folds down here is like, they're going to get a good player. And I think that the, the biggest conversation point at two is they're not closing themselves off to anything, uh, nor should they. And I think that'll remain up until Thursday. I, yeah. I, I, I'm with you. I think that that's going to be the narrative. If they don't take Thibodeau, I think that's going to be the immediate narrative. It shouldn't be. They but, just didn't you know, like him. And yeah. maybe that's true. Maybe they just didn't. I mean, I don't, not even that they didn't like him. They just said. Uh, well, sure. Yeah. Right. Just Fair. that it didn't, wasn't a fit. Wasn't, yeah. it didn't fit for whatever reason. But yeah. I, I think you're right. I mean, I think there's, there's at least an equal possibility that it goes the other way that they take him. And like, I could see him being like. Oh God, I could see him being great here. Like, yeah. And I think he could be personality wise. Mm-hmm. I think you could see him be like a, 
like a Michael Brockers down the line in this league. Like he's still a guy like Michael Brockers is doing Rich Eisen show all the time. He's still out there. He's yep. still like his own guy. He lives on the West Coast. He has his own clothes. Has his own clothing. Yeah, line. like I yep. think right. I think he could be that type of guy where he's just it's a fine mix of the off field and the on field, and he's still your vocal leader when you get in in between the hash yeah. marks. Um, Are you going to show up and work? If you show up and work and do your job, you'll fit in here. Like, and everything we've seen from him indicates man. that that that's what he's going to do. Like, I mean, he's going to do whatever he does on on his own when he goes home. I don't think they're going to care that as much as people think. But if there's other things that they're worried about that I don't know, I don't know. But I mean, like, you know, Penny Sewell was a 20-year-old last year. I know he's mature and everything else, but I mean, he's still a kid. And they took him. You know, like, let's not pretend and think that he's a 40-year-old man in there. I mean, like, so people are unique and different. And I think that that's also something that I wouldn't, I would caution people against just, like, shutting it down on the idea that the Lions aren't open to unique quirky people because that's not true that's i guess what i was probably maybe going for yeah. the most there because i think that they are the lions as much as any team in maybe the league and you'll see that when hard knocks comes on yeah right, right. are are absolutely as open to different personalities as anybody in the league maybe more it's just it's got to be about the greater than than yourself and i think that that is the question that um Dan Campbell and company are probably still asking and looking at with uh, Thibodeau. Yeah. I mean, and I just sort of keep coming back to, I, I, <laughs> this is why people get tired of the draft cycle, but you know, we're four months into this and now I kind of keep coming back to like, when we got to new year's day, Kayvon Thibodeau was a top two guy and no one questioned it in this class and no one's played I mean, no one's really played a game yeah, right. that yeah. span. There were a couple of playoff games and a couple of bowl games, but and Trayvon Walker played really well in those playoff games, certainly. So I think that that counts. But there wasn't necessarily anything in my mind that jumped Trayvon Walker or Derek Stingley or right. uh, any of these guys ahead of Thibodeau in terms of how he fits what the Lions need and, and what his upside is. And so... Yeah. Am I going to do that because of the combine numbers or because a few people said that Thibodeau might not yeah, <laughs> match I, I, well with every team in the league? I, I don't know. I can't make that judgment on Thibodeau based on what I know about him. So No. Maybe they will. Maybe the Lions all, will, but I can't. All I can either. say, all I can say based on what we sort of know with the Lions and Kayvon is like they know him very well. Right? I think that I am not concerned in like if they pass on him I I would think it's for you know after researching it very deeply they've they know him very well they know Sewell very well and by knowing him they know the Oregon program very well Brad Holmes is a Pac-12 scout they know Kayvon Thibodeau as well as any team in this league and they have within and I say they I mean their brain trust which includes which is led by Brad Holmes um so if they don't take him it's not for lack of, you know what I'm saying? I guess that's probably the thing I would I would indicate the most. For the Lions only, they they probably know Thibodeau better than Hutchinson and Walker. Um, yeah. As, oh, yeah. As a, as a franchise, as a group. Um, and so if they don't take him, it's because they know something. <laughs> I would think, unless they're just blind to, you know, whatever. But I mean, like, they know him. 
They do. Like, it's, it would be foolish to think otherwise. So, and I think that that's something I would again say there, because I can already feel it bubbling, right? I can already feel, <laughs> I can already feel tribes forming, you know, sides, lines being drawn. And it's like, it's, it's going to happen whether I want it to or not. Obviously, I've learned that over the years. But I just, I would caution people from, to go, you know, from going there because it's just not, not happening here in this in this draft. The Lions don't care about that. They're trying to win games. They're trying to build the best team possible. I think that's that's still at, at forefront here, and people need to remember that. Should we keep it moving? Yes. <laughs> yes. Gonna... <laughs> so we got stuck there, didn't we? Yeah. On uh, to... I mean, it, on... you know, it's obviously a big pick. I mean, it's a big <coughs> decision, so yeah. I think it's worth spending some time on. But So yeah. <laughs> if they don't trade and anything else and they all hold, everything stays the way we think it would. And if we move down to 32, a lot of the conversation, obviously, and we've had this conversation a lot, has been about, do you have to take a quarterback there? If you like a quarterback a little bit, maybe that would be a perfect spot for it. Um, obviously, I think we're both of the belief that you have to love a guy no matter what. That's the number one thought. So with all that babbling said, your thoughts on where things are headed here at 32? Um, I mean, I think that they certainly will try to shop it to teams that want 32. I don't think there's any question. I mean, Holmes even said Wednesday, you know, like the the value of getting extra picks helps you set up your future. Uh, and they have an extra first rounder again next year. But um, the more they stockpile some some future capital, the better they are moving forward. And so if you can move from 32 to 37 and add a two or something, like I think that that's worth it. So I think that they'll absolutely shop it. I don't know. The quarterback thing, <laughs> where do you stand on it? Like, do you have, do you think that, what do you, What would you put the odds are that, let's say Willis and Ritter are off the board, but Pickett and everyone else is still there at uh, 32. No, I'm not taking a quarterback. I wouldn't take, uh, Ritter would be the. What if Ritter's there? Yeah. That would be the one where I'd have to like, I would, you know, and that's going to come down to whether or not they love him. And, like, that's the one that I would have to... He's the last one I would consider. You know, Willis, yes. I would take Willis at 32, I think. I think I love him enough to take him at 32. I think he would be a guy that I'd be confident enough if he were to fall... And he's not going to. But if he were to fall to 32... <laughs> I guess crazier right. things have happened. But if he were to fall to 32, yes, I would take him. And I probably would take Ritter, frankly, at 32. Yeah. Um, I would not take Pickett. And I wouldn't take any of the other guys um, at 32. But I would probably take Ritter. I don't know that they would take either. I would. But I don't know that they would. And I think that that's... Willis is probably the one, yes, they would. But, like, Ritter, I'm not so sure. I, I You know, he got better as the Senior Bowl went on for sure. I, I kept thinking about that a lot last week. But the, he was a mess at the beginning of it as well. There are things that he... You know what I'm saying? Like, he gets better every yeah, time yeah. you watch him, but there's always stuff there that you're like, like, that's not good, you know? Like, there's always <laughs> something about him that I go back but, to that right. you're like, and the, but, but you're like, but, and it's like... It's the whole class. It's the whole, it's the whole class. <laughs> class. There's less of it with Willis, obviously, but Ritter, and it's hard to explain, but it's like, there are times where I watch him play... And it's like, man, you're doing a really good job of mimicking what a quarterback's supposed to look like. Are you an actual quarterback? <laughs> like, that's what I think a lot when I watch him. He's very, he can get mechanical and robotic. And it's like, but then he'll do stuff that I'm like, man, that was awesome. And he's a terrific athlete. So, and he's young, you know, and, and who knows, right? So 
I would probably take him. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Would you, I guess? I mean, what are your thoughts here? Uh, Maybe. I mean, I still like Pickett the best, I think, of like, uh, if you're drafting high and you need a quarterback for a team to I agree. win this year, this year, I like Pickett the best. Yeah. And and that's with the same sort of caveats. Like sometimes he looks great and he's throwing the ball all over the place, and then sometimes he takes yeah. the snap and it's like when I play my eight year old in Madden, <laughs> he's just running around for doing? no reason, <laughs> like, and then just whips it to the, whoever's the deepest guy. Like that's yeah, that's what some of those look like. like why are you doing the things that you're doing right now? <laughs> yeah, um, stop it. Just stop doing this. And so I don't know. Like I don't. As I say, he's the most probably the most NFL ready for next year. Like. He's also going to, if he starts, he's going to turn the ball over a ton oh, and yeah. get sacked a ton. You have to have a team so, around him. Yeah. And I don't think he necessarily fits as well with the Lions' timeline at quarterback um, and their what they've said their timeline at quarterback is. But, you know, it, to, you mentioned our big board that's coming out. We have Willis at 24, and we have Ritter at 31. And so if you're picking at 32 – and you're just sticking to best available, there's a very good chance that if, and like you said, I don't think Willis is there, but Ritter could be there. Um, and it's a very good chance he's your best available. And if it's close, uh, you know, I, I tweeted out that, you you know, you can't use the fifth-year option just to, as your loan justification for picking a quarterback. But if it's a tiebreaker, you can use it. And so maybe you take Ritter at 32 the flip side of it is i've heard a lot of people say well if you're going to take a quarterback at 32 just take him at two don't take your chances but i don't think that's the same argument that's just not how the draft works and and you just said it this is how it works you're stacking as you go at you're removing and stacking and restacking and removing as guys come off you move the board around and it changes based on your need and how you fit everyone in it so you're not going to just it's the, if you were to take him at that's that's the Bob Quinn Patricia. We're taking Jelani Tavai at, in the second round for no reason other than we're panicking <laughs> and think and we got conned into thinking someone was going to trade. You know, like that's panic to take a guy at two. Well, we love him, so we're taking him at two. We don't care. No, 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 no. That's not you're removing instead. If he's number two on your board, fine. But like that's not the case right. here, and that's not going to be the case. And like no one is claiming that's the case. If you're taking Willis at two. And that means you have him ahead of Kayvon Thibodeau, which is not the case. So, you know what I mean? Like, that's not what's happening here. But like you just said, if, if it comes down to, you know, in a unique case like this, and this is kind of a unique situation because you just, the whole class has got but, 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 you know, who, you know, we'll see. And the guys at the top, however, are, are guys that you can sort of see becoming something that you can work with. So Ritter very reasonably could be, you know, right there is the top guy on your board. Right there at 32 if he's still on the board. I don't think he's going to be there either, though. I don't think either of them are going to be there. I don't think Pickett's going to be there either. I think they're all going early. I think people are going to be like, yeah. oh, well, here we go again. You know, like, it's going to be all... I could be surprised, but it's been the most fascinating thing. Like, we did our roundtable um, last week, and I think we're going to do another one here. And that was Dane's big thing, was he's like, I still don't know, you know, like where these guys are going to go, like what teams are going to do. Like they're saying one thing one day, they want to know one thing the next day. And, and that's that, that's this year. I mean, you have these classes now and again, we've all seen them before where people just play chicken and they don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I would, I might ask you the same thing. Like, where do you think ultimately I'm going to put you on the spot. Where are these quarterbacks going to go? 
<laughs> Knowing what you know about the NFL draft for as long as you have known about it, uh, where are these quarterbacks? <laughs> I don't think they're going to make it, you know? I don't think Sam Howell's going to be wrong that long. Like, I just... Uh, maybe, right. and maybe, that's the guy. but... Yeah, man. and that's a name I keep coming back to for the Lions, too, like on day two or three, because I think they like Sam Howell to some sure. extent. Um or Zappy later if he's but you know I just don't know I just don't know. I mean Carolina has to take one, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. They've spent like all of their draft prep on all of the quarterbacks. Like they've made a whole scene. So that's about one. It. Yeah, right. That's, that's one. one. Yeah. So six. Yeah, six. I don't know which one though. It's six. That's fair. I don't know which one either. I don't know who it's gonna be. Um, God, man. I think Atlanta needs to take one. As well. Well, I think there's a lot of teams there that need, like Seattle needs to take. I think one. Seattle Isn't needs to take Drew one as well. Fox, Seattle's core. No, I think on. Seattle's lying to itself with whatever the hell it's doing out there right now. But I don't think I don't know that they will. No, I don't I either. Don't, I don't think Seattle will. Atlanta, Atlanta might. Atlanta might. Maybe. Yeah. But then I get you get further down, and I think you're looking New Orleans, Pittsburgh, uh, maybe Philly, St- Steelers, Steelers for sure. Pittsburgh, on who's there. Yeah, Pittsburgh like, New Orleans, Atlanta are the ones I think that I look at the most. Uh, Seattle, I think I'm with you. I, they I they need one. And if Willis were there, buddy, and you don't take him, good luck, Pete. I think, <laughs> you know, I, like, I mean, I think, pick, I think Pittsburgh would take Ritter or Pickett if one of them was there. I think Pittsburgh would take best available. I think that's what they're yeah. going to do. I think they're just going to sit there. I think New Orleans is in. God knows what they're doing. They seem to be in a complete doing. panic. <laughs> um, and no one knows. I mean, like at this point, it's like, are you going to repackage and trade up to go get a quarterback? What are you doing? But Pittsburgh, I could very easily see them just sit there and take the best quarterback. And that might be Ritter. You know, like it might just be the guy that pops off. So I I think Ritter, Pickett, Willis are all gone in the first. For sure. Before the Lions pick at 34 or 32. That's my guess. Hot take for the draft. <laughs> One of many, I'm sure. I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't think you're wrong because I think you can talk yourself into these guys too. Of course. Of course. As it's always, not that hard. As always. I think oh, you can yeah. Talk yourself into, and what about those top three? It? It's really easy Matt to do. Coral? No, those three. No, no, no. After that, it gets harder to do. After that. He's been linked. <laughs> I've seen his Maybe. name at 32 as well. I don't like Coral, but I mean, I, teams might. <laughs> I don't, uh, but Howell. teams might. And then Howell. I don't think I don't um, think teams love Howell, right? Are you, like I don't think anybody really loves him. I loves, don't think they love him, but again, like that's him. a name like if he's there at 66 for the Lions. Yes, that's a like. Maybe. That's a like, not a love. Maybe. Yeah, they like <laughs> Howell. They like Zappy. I think you like Corral, but you don't love him. I think you, I think you could love Ritter, Willis, and Pickett. I think that's basically what we're talking about here. Like so, yes, I think that you could convince yourself pretty easily with those three, and I think that's what'll happen. But so I will say, we'll Carolina see. and Pittsburgh for sure, mm-hmm. and then someone else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, someone <laughs> else. Who the other one is? Someone card. else. The Packers. Uh, <laughs> oh God. <laughs> oh please, God, or the Bears? Jesus. <laughs> The but bear, that's what the I also why. Oh, man, <laughs> that's also why I say at thirty-two. Like if if Ritter's there at thirty-two, <sighs> maybe you call Houston or Seattle or someone picking in the thirty-seven yeah, I mean, to right. Atlanta's at forty-three. Like someone down there and say, "All right, give us at least another two. Yep, if you're go. Atlanta at forty-three, give us a one, and here's your quarterback. Yeah, I, I definitely think you're in a good spot 
I mean, if they stick, if they're a good spot to move, I think we all agree with that. If they stick down there, I think the thing we've talked about the most, and I don't know what they'll do if they stick otherwise, but I think the other thing we've talked about the most would be safety uh, in these next two little batches here, 32 and 34, because that's, that's the thing to talk about. You have the next pick at 34, so I think that, you know, we're kind of like, I'd probably in agreement here that trade would be preferred at 32 uh, to pretty much anything. Uh, yeah, probably. I think you have to come out of one of those two picks with a safety. Sure, sure. Because I think that's where the line is. Where and you still can. You, yeah. But you get beyond that group of safeties, and there's it doesn't look as good the next time you're no, on the clock. No, it definitely falls off really fast. Yeah. After Scene and Dax Hill, it changes. That's the line for me. Yeah, well, Pers- and, you know. and I, but I think at thirty two or thirty four, if you get Brisker or Petrie or one of those guys too, like, that would be good. Petrie and Brisker, boost. but it's it's still different to me. But yes, yeah, sure. But you're yeah. right. After those guys, though, I guess would probably be the right. Point that's what I mean. Like I think really you have changes. to come out of that yeah. group. That's the that is the one position that I look at that thirty two thirty four and think they have to take, a, they have to have a safety by pick thirty four. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You just, there's no, well, otherwise it's like, what are you doing? Like, what are you, this is just, you're being careless now. <laughs> like, I think that that's what I would almost feel like, right? Like, cause it's like, unless you really are banking on finding, I mean, we've talked about Will Harris moving to corner, right? Like that's been discussed. I mean, like, so you're clearly in need and looking at, I would think in the market for a safety here, I would be very surprised at this point. I was very surprised last year, but I think I'd be even more surprised. <laughs> This year. It just seems like everything they've done has sort of set up to draft one yeah. and pair him with Walker. Not drafting a safety in the first three picks of this draft would be up there with the most surprising thing I've seen from the Holmes era so far. It would be up there. I don't know what the most surprising thing would be, but that would be toward the top of the list, I would think. Yeah. That's what it feels like, like yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it feels like it's time and that would be a... And there's guys there. You know, like we just there said, are. you know. I mean, you can maybe find a guy in round three. You can get Kirby Joseph or someone. Sure, but there's three, really good players up here, you know, at the top. Yeah. And I think you're better off, if you're just sort of checking off boxes at positions, I think you're better off getting a linebacker later. Mm-hmm. Unless you're, like, I mean, you could get both of them maybe. But, you know, there are guys like Quay Walker and Nicobe Dean and those guys. Like, Sure. But I think you can get a linebacker later than you can get. A safety yes. if you need a plug and play guy, which they do, and they don't necessarily need a plug and play at linebacker. So, no. um, yeah, and that's a deeper that's... linebacker class. There's more guys deeper. The value of the right. position is falling anyway, um, and right. the value of safety is climbing. So, I would say, yeah, I wouldn't wait super long. And it's the other thing that pops up, and it's like, and not to go backward, but it's like. The, the Hamilton thing is is the other thing we didn't talk about as much, but it's like you can't really rule him out either um, as part of that conversation somewhere early because it's a huge need and the defense can't really take the next step. I don't think until that's solved. You know what I mean? Like they need two guys back there that are together and in concert, and like that's what Aaron Glenn's defense is completely predicated on. You know, so that needs to be settled, and I think that that's that needs to happen here. What about receiver? Where do you think receiver comes into this mix in this draft class? So it's interesting if they don't, if they can't trade off 32 and, you know, and you don't move off and, and whatever, that's when I wonder if you take a safety at 32, 
and you look at 34 and is that when you say, okay, this becomes our, we're just going to do whatever we feel like here and not, and just go careless and, <laughs> and just kind of like take the, take a guy that we are fascinated with maybe over a more responsible pick. And that would be one where I would say, you know, take the best X on the board and see what happens. Like right there at 34, that would be one where I would say that would be, I would be cool with that. Cause I, I do wonder if some of those guys are going to drop too. You know, I don't know. Mm. Like we've we've talked a lot about, um, you know, I've heard Jameson Williams, what people want to do with him, uh, and you, I, you know, people are super high on him. There's some teams that are going to have him in their top ten, um, but you know, he's injured. Who knows? You know, there's it's the similar thing that we just talked about with the quarterbacks to a degree. There's no receiver in this class that you look at and you're like, oh my god, like you know, like this guy is going to change the game. You know, so. I don't know who's going to be there and who's not. I, I don't. So that's one where I would certainly consider it there. But after that, I wouldn't mind waiting. I, I would have no problem if they waited. We've talked about this a thousand yeah. times. I am confident in their scouting of receivers. And I'm also, I, that's what the game, the game has changed. You can get receivers late. There's a thousand of them coming through every year. And right. they're all awesome. They're all awesome. So Sorry about the receiver, Mark. Look at Debo Samuel wants a contract, buddy. I got news for you. <laughs> like teams aren't paying receivers anymore. They're just not. I mean, because you can replace and get younger in a lot of areas. And I would wait if all things were otherwise. If you tr- if you could trade thirty two, I would probably wait and just see if I could develop a guy later. Because I think they're. I wouldn't panic. I think they're what they did in the off season seemed cool with me to where they're at right now with golf and everything else and. You got Amon Ra last year late, so, you know, do it again. Yeah. I mean, am I I wrong? (laughs) I mean, people are going to hate that probably, right? But uh, Uh, whatever. No, I mean, I don't think you're wrong. I don't know that they would rule out. Yeah, yeah, it obviously depends on what the board looks like. Um, I think they could certainly take a wide receiver there, but I also look down at, like, what might be there in round three, round like that comp pick at the end of round three. Like, Oh, yeah, just a lot Alec of Pierce players. Pierce is a guy, I think, who would fit with them, mm-hmm. the way he plays. Um, that's probably around, like, where some of those, like, jitterbuggy slot guys oh, are going to go. Oh, my God, yeah. Uh, All guys that would fit, too, you know? All guys that would add value, I think, to the Lions. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, I think you can go pretty deep and find – some of them. You know, so, where's like, where Jalen Tolbert? Where's a guy like Jalen Tolbert going to go? You know, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, maybe the third. Maybe the, maybe he, he gets into the second, but the third. Yeah, if he just keeps falling and falling and falling. I don't know. You know, like that's receivers a uh, tricky thing, you know, in these drafts. We always talk about guys every year, you know, it's a freak. Oh, my God. How could you pass on this guy? How could you? How could you? And then he falls <laughs> like a rock. And everyone's like, what the hell happened? And then, you know, he takes him a minute and then it doesn't adjust the way you thought or it's not whatever it's just it's a different the, the the whole thing has changed i think the position is changing like everything else and people are still trying to figure out values and all this but yeah i'm i'm okay waiting at that i i'm for the lions right now staying young and staying cheapish at receiver is cool with me i mean you also can probably go take a tight end in like the fifth who's basically a wide receiver you could <laughs> that checks off multiple boxes for you yeah. so um yeah, I don't know. That one's going to be interesting to me, what they do at that position. I definitely, it's just, I think they're confident with their ability to ID talent at those skill spots in general. You know what I mean? The receiver corner. I They seem very comfortable, maybe more than anywhere else to me. I You know, with some of the guys that we saw, you know, Glenn and 
um, pleasant take chances on last year. And then some of the receivers too, you know, obviously some of the younger guys or some of the guys they brought in here or they had a feel for or whatever it was like, maybe not guys that are rewriting the record book here or something, but like guys that they found that like, Oh, they, that worked. So that would stand a reason that they have an eye here. And you know, you trust, you trust that eye, I think a little bit, um, especially at that spot. Where, uh, where do you feel like the interior stuff comes into play? Cause I think we've talked about this a lot and I, it doesn't seem to come up that much for the lions, but they need, I think it's pretty obvious. They need a guard long-term yeah. and I would argue they need at least one more body up front defensively too. And preferably someone who can get to the quarterback. So right. are you so, drafting those guys or are you so, going and signing a cheap guy after the draft? Well, that's what I was going to that my next question for you here on the uh, on our journey was 66. 66 <laughs> and 97. Okay. At what yeah. point is it too high, you know, to go guard, offensive lineman? Like where are you landing now because we talked about this a lot all year. Would you wait until day 3 or would you go and try to spend a pick there? Because there are a lot of guys. I mean, there's a lot of guys who can play. Um, you know, we just went right through it that are probably going to be there, you know, at 66 and 97, frankly. Um, or are you still like, we need so many other things everywhere else that would be maybe risking great for, you know, good everywhere else or whatever the phrase is there. I don't know. I'm still a little torn on that, but also kind of, there's a lot of really good players there. And if they're going to pass on a bunch of them, it would be like, uh, you know, like you'd be cringing a little bit. So your thoughts on that? Uh, I think they're going to draft an offensive lineman somewhere. Um, but, but where would be the, yeah, well, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I think that feels like a good spot for it. If you want a guy yeah, right who maybe could be a yeah. starter for you next year, like that third, fourth round range, uh, I think is probably where it's got to happen because once you get beyond that, you're really just sort of crossing your fingers that someone develops in time. Like I think third, fourth round when we've seen it with Jonah Jackson, like that's where you could get someone uh, like the Dylan Parham kid, I think will be there from Memphis. Like Cole strange. We talked about your, your dude over there at central. Oh yeah. Uh, Luke Kadecki. Oh yeah. Yeah, He'll be there. Um, So yeah, I mean, I, I think that you can get someone who can come in and, and, be a swing guy for you this year and then start for you next year when Vitae's contract is is no longer on your books. So yeah. um that makes sense to me. I mean but I like I said, I think that they still do need I mean I, I think they're hoping Owens Arike makes a leap, McNeil makes a leap. I still think they need one more body up front and preferably someone who can rush from the inside. So do you wait and take sort of a specialty guy there? I mean I think you can find some of those guys in free agency too still, but I don't know. I mean I, it's just yeah, I, I guess they need I need so would, many things. Yeah, <laughs> I mean they do need so many things. I think that like defensive line, you're right to say that you wouldn't want to because defensive tackle talent obviously is going to really start to fall after after the third. Whereas to your point, offensive line talent is not going to fall as much. Um, so defensive tackle, the premium spots would probably be like if you're if you're still worried. About you know because I also I don't know if I would spend a third on a defensive tackle after everything they just did last year. I think you kind of have right. to ride with. You still need you still need somebody in there because they've lost some guys they need to replenish with. But to your point, just as much as you can kind of find guys out on the market there that can maybe fill that spot, you know, I don't know if I would do it again. So to me, it would be like 
Offensive line would be intriguing in there in the third. Um, linebacker would be intriguing in the third. Corner would also be something that I would look at. Just going like heavy, heavy defense, or maybe at 97, if you'd like, 66, 97, one of those receivers. Like that would be a receiver spot, I would think. I Because I think you can get a really, really good receiver in the third round these days. Like you can get what we used to think of as like a late first rounder in the third. Yeah. You can. Right. I mean, like that's just how it goes. Because look at this. I mean, we talk about all the time. There's so many guys. No one wants to play corner. No one wants to play safety. They all want to be receivers. They're all awesome. And every single year, like 200 of them come out in the draft. And that's just how it is. And so you can get guys. You There's no reason to to overshoot at that spot anymore, I don't think. There never really has been but at any spot. But especially right now at receiver, it's just too deep. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. I, I, I don't. Are there any positions where I said safety? I think we both agreed that they have to get a safety. You have to get an edge guy. Like, what else is on that list for you? Where they have, like, you have to come out of this draft with someone at that position? Because I don't. Wide receiver would be nice, mm-hmm. but I don't know that they have to come exactly. out of this draft with a receiver necessarily. I mean, I'd like to see them take one certainly, uh, and the the way their depth chart is set up, sort of points to them taking one but they don't have to take one are there any spots other than safety linebacker or safety edge rusher where you feel like they like if they don't come out of this draft with at least one guy it's a mistake yeah i think linebacker and then corner i think linebacker and corner i would almost put i mean it's ridiculous to say that we just said the entire defense except for defensive tackle but like that's the situation that they find themselves in i think linebacker needs to be a priority right up there though with safety and uh, I think you probably weigh a little bit on the corner. You can develop a corner. You can develop guys at corner. I think to your point, you do need a one. You can't wait forever on that. You do need to find one, but I think that your odds of finding, maybe you can develop a little bit. I I wouldn't want to wait based on where they are, though. I would want another linebacker in the stack to be in there to push Barnes, and also because you need one. I mean, you just there's still a need there. And then, um, and then corner, yeah, obviously is something that, we don't know what is happening. You know, it's like there's no definitive answer there at all. We don't even know if they definitively. I mean, we would we think Amani Awari is a two in the NFL, but I mean, like that's based on like a little bit of evidence, not a lot of evidence that he's a two. So it's a question if they even have a two. So like, I mean, that's where they're at at that spot. So talent upgrade definitely needed at linebacker and corner. I think those two have to be up there. Is there an offensive position that they have to get? Is tight end two? A spot where you would say needs to be addressed in this draft. That was the one that we talked about a ton last year, and it kind of popped up some a little bit throughout the year. Uh, I don't think it has to be addressed. I think it would be that's one of those like I don't even want to call it a, a luxury pick because I think yeah. you still need a tight end too. But it's one of those that I think if you get into the fourth round, fifth round, sixth round that you're looking at. Um, where you would add in a guy there. Cause that's another class where I think you can find some playmakers. So mm-hmm. and they're all going to be uh, there later too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that's one you have to rush into, but um, yeah, I mean, I think that certainly they could take one. They don't have a clear tight end two right now, unless you're like really high on Brock, Wright. Um, <laughs> Uh, the Reich family is really high on Brock, right? I don't know how, how many other <laughs> like, people out there would say the same. Yeah. No offense to Brock, right? He might be great, but I mean, how would you know, right? Like, <laughs> I think you could draft one there, just knowing how much they like to use their tight ends, too. So, um, yeah. But yeah, that's not a must-have, I don't think. 
I just, yeah, the, I don't think there is an offensive spot that they have to address in this draft. Like, I don't, like you said, receiver, yeah. I, receiver to me is not a requirement in this draft. It's just not, I don't think, I mean, it, you know, it can be if you want it to be, I guess. But, like, in terms of requirements, it's, there are other boxes that need more check-in here. And they need to remember yeah. that, I think, and keep themselves to that. Because they got into some really thin talent spots last year defensively that were, like, I don't think the staff loved it. Let's put that, let's, I don't think they were like, this is, you know, guys, like, we love their effort, but we need some talent here, for God's sake. Like, this has got to be a little better. So, you need to address defensive talent in this draft. Absolutely. Premium defensive talent has to be addressed. The only thing I'd say at receiver is what you mentioned. Just the contracts at that position have gotten so out of control that you're almost in a spot where... Just drafting one every single year that might makes be sense. Your move. Yeah, right. Always <laughs> stay to young. Keep, yeah. Have young guys in there. So you have Amon Ra, but now like Shark mm-hmm. could be gone next year. Reynolds is two year is That's right true. now is on a yeah. two year max contract. Yeah, like Cephas, I don't know mm-hmm. what he's gonna be. So maybe you just throw another young guy in there to have him. And even if it's round five, yeah. like all right, let's see what he let's get Bellis Jones, see what he can do. Yeah. If he just uh, Yeah, if if he muscles somebody off a job that like wants a contract. Then you're like, all right, bye. Yeah. <laughs> you know so you don't have, yeah, you don't have to take, you don't have to trade up for Chris Olave, but I think yeah, right. there's so much talent at that position, it's, and yeah, it's just so deep. It behooves you to be young at that position. So I think that's one that there's a reason we keep coming back to receiver when we do these mock drafts yeah. and everything. It's just it's hard to pass it, on them, you know. Like, if you're going you're right, if you're going best available at some point, wide receiver is best available at, at most of those spots, it's like twelve spots. Yeah, like yeah, right. right. <laughs> Yeah, at some point in the third round, you're like, well, to the top 15 players in this draft are receivers, you know, or whatever. And that's right, like, right. and that sort of speaks to the situation here. I mean, it's just, and it's also, you know, it's a passing game now. It's a pass happy league, everything else. All these backs coming out, most of them can catch. Most of them can run routes. Like, it's a different world with all of that. So, yeah, staying young, staying versatile. That might be that, and maybe that is a requirement. Maybe that would be your offensive. If you have one, maybe that would be it. Of anything, would be like make sure we replenish a skill spot with a young guy because you don't want to get stuck with a guy somewhere. You know, both of those positions, wide receiver and running back, Mm -hmm. are going to be when we get to after the draft and people start signing undrafted free agents. And you're gonna go. Oh my! That guy didn't get drafted. Yes. How did he not get drafted? Yeah. And you're gonna. It's gonna be like free draft picks for someone yeah. because you're gonna have that type of talent. You know, someone's gonna go sign like Devonte Price at running back or Zonaman uh, Knight or some one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Like and every like, year, wide receiver is gonna be the same thing. Dontario Drummond and. Jalen Naylor and like all these guys that you think could be players at some point. Yeah, yeah, guys with fifth round grades that are just sitting there. Yeah, <laughs> right. I think you're gonna be able to go get those guys. It, yeah. So that's something to keep in mind too. But um, all right, let's uh, wrap up. I said this will be the last time we're recording, other than our live room um, before the draft. So final thoughts on sort of how this process has gone for the Lions and what you are looking forward to next weekend. Well, I mean. <clears throat> I think that all things considered, they've made it to this point without giving their giving the farm away. They haven't <laughs> given away their hand or shown anybody. You know, I I just always go back to that 2019 draft and think, my God, there can't be a worse 
pre-draft scenario than that one. So for me, that's like the worst possible situation a franchise could be entering into a draft in, in terms of conditions. This seems much better uh, on a much higher level. They seem to have a much better plan. They seem to have a lot more options, and they seem to be much more and much you know plenty aware of all of those options. Um, and I do think it's important to note, like. You know, they do seem to be, here we are, a year plus, whatever, a year and a half in, draft two for the Lions in this whole experiment of collaboration, and they all seem to be still all guns blazing ahead. I don't, you know, no dissension, no um, complaining, no, we don't hear anything about, Lions PR staff just got nominated for uh, the Rosella Award, I think, this week. Everyone seems happy, and everyone seems to be still in the boat. So I think that that is impressive. And not something that has always happened here. Something that, frankly, hasn't rarely happens, uh, I think, if we can be honest. So um, that is what I have noticed heading into this draft. What I'm looking forward to the most next week, I would say, is just to see sort of how it unfolds. I, because I, I think, you know, Chris and I can guess all we want. You know, we don't know what's going to happen because we don't know how the board is going to sort of unravel and see, you know, kind of where this defense is going to go and what it's going to look like uh, on the other side. Uh, so I'm going to ask you the same thing, though, both questions. Um, your thoughts on how the process has gone and um, what you're sort of looking at uh, the most next week. I am I mean, I think I'm most curious. We sort of talked about it at the start. Like, I think this will give us a better sense for where Brad Holmes wants to go with this roster. I think last year they did very well. They got some guys that could help. Uh, but I think we'll start to now you can, after two drafts, get a feel for you know, what the criteria is going to be at every position and sort of uh, what they think they have in the guys who were there before. Because if they really load up on a position, like if they pick, take two cornerbacks this year, that gives you a pretty good idea of what they think of the other cornerbacks on the roster. So I think right, that this will yeah. really start to define uh, where this is going to be in the next year or two. I think last year, like you said, was just about like clearing the rubbish and getting through it and finding some guys who could help you lay that foundation. And now... Now you're starting to build a little bit. And so I think this will give us an idea for for which directions they'll be heading in as they move forward. So that's I'm kind of curious to see the fallout from it and, and just how the pieces they get um, fit with what was here when they arrived and what they've added since they got here. So um, I don't know. It should be interesting. <laughs> you're, you're, I'm curious your thoughts on the on how they've handled situation like just just the situation in general that that they're in here just like your, their health the health of the like does that make sense like your your progress report whatever that would be with all things we know which you know, some of it we do some of it we don't but like where are your where are your thoughts on that whole thing as the Lions sit you know heading into draft two here with Holmes and Campbell I mean I think they've done everything we talked about them needing to do for the most part like last year was just get through it this year you want to be competitive next year. You need to have a roster that really makes a playoff push. And so I think that they're still on the right track for that. The one thing and the reason we keep coming up, it keeps coming up is that we don't know what the quarterback position is going to look like long-term. And so that's the right. one that you keep pausing on and saying, well, they got to figure that out eventually because otherwise the rest of this doesn't matter. Um, but all, all things considered, I mean, the roster certainly in better shape. The salary cap's in better shape moving forward. I think you can see a lot of these pieces who are going to be here for a few years. Um, so, I I mean, I think that they've done a really good job to this point. But if you have a terrible draft. Right. That, yeah. Uh, Can't bungle it. Then you're back. 
Yeah, then you're back in trouble. So, yeah, I mean, I think this is, like I said, they've got to come out of this with big deal. Yeah, mm-hmm. several guys that are going to play for you and play a lot this year and be impactful. And that's that's tough. That's a tough ask, but that's just the reality of their situation. It is. We're cranking the pressure here a little bit. I mean, I think that the, you can turn the key a little, a little bit on the old pressure dial. Uh, and that's fair to do. And I think that a lot of times on this show, we try to keep people off of that dial as much as we can. But I think that in reality, objectively, that's fair to do. I think that, you know, the the, the whole process of, you know, judging this, you know, looking at it, seeing what they're doing, everything else, it starts a lot heavier here um, right now. So we'll see. Right. Yeah, we got pl- plenty of content up on the site. As Nick uh, mentioned, he's he just did a film uh, breakdown. You want you want to yeah, that for on, people uh, before we get Bernard out Raymond and uh, Luke Gadecki, the two uh, Central Michigan offensive linemen. I went up there um, last week actually and spent some time with them um, and watched some film. And oh man, those guys! I know you love uh, Raymond's game. Gadecki was one that I had seen a little bit of, um, and he's going to be a guard, I would think, in the NFL. Um, but just, I mean, two guys that nobody knew about, nobody wanted, you know, back in high school. Uh, Sharon Moore actually was the one, uh, Michigan's co-OC now, who found Raymond, uh, who was a foreign exchange student, played one year at Delton Kellogg, uh, never played football. I think his host family, uh, is the, the father of the host family, I think, played at CMU. And that's how something happened one way or the other, and they found him and... <laughs> Oh my God. I mean, he went from wide receiver to tight end to first round possible offensive tackle. Uh, his family will be here. Uh, his parents will be here anyway. The first time he's seen them since 2019. Uh, and he said that's 60 pounds ago. So he was 240. He was a 240 pound <laughs> tight end the last time they saw him. Now he's a 310 pound uh, first round pick. So, or maybe second round pick, whatever, either way. Two cool guys. So go check that out. That's That was a really fun story to do for sure. You pop into Soaring Eagle Casino. When no, you're I there, didn't. I, I should have. Uh, Catching you know, Ario always... Speedwagon concerters. <laughs> I don't make <laughs> it up. I don't make it up to Mount Pleasant as much as I used to in my day, uh, in my light beer drinking days. Uh, but I, did, I definitely always see some places that look very familiar. Uh, you know, fire up chips for sure. I love, uh, love so, all the way. Uh, so that's up. Uh, as mentioned, we got our big board, our top forty lines big board coming out. Uh, Monday, I'll also be doing a, another beat writer mock draft next week. We've got the live room. Tuesday, we've got our last, what, seven round mock on Wednesday, yeah. and then the draft Thursday. So, tons and tons of stuff over on the site. Welcome sure along, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, home stretch, finally. And then, uh, again, you can always go get a subscription. If you don't have one, you can find us on the app ad free, as well as at uh, Google, Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen to podcasts. So, uh, for Nick, I'm Chris. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon.